and welcome to Backing Paper for another week of emaily flavoured goodness. And joining me, not as always, is the not quite so lovely replacement for Rachel this week, but they're still quite wonderful. Matthew, Joseph, Matthew, how are you, my little Antipodean pal? Ah, oh, thank you. Um, I'm not that little. Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm really good. I've um, I've woken up early to to be on the show. Um, it seems strange to me to be not playing tanks right now. <laughs> I know, so we've got to get this show done quick smart so we can get back to the video game. <laughs> You've been doing tanks, some fun tanks. stuff lately, haven't you? You've been out with your um, OG, your camera dactyl OG. Yes, I um, put my first few uh, sheets of colour film through the OG uh, last week on Thursday, I think. there was a. I finished work early. It was a nice sunny day. Went for a walk for about 30 minutes or so, got to where I wanted to take photos and I realized I hadn't brought the viewfinder with me. So I had to um, use the force to compose my photos mm -hmm. and it, it worked out all right. Good. Some of them I could have maybe got a little bit closer, but um, that's, the, that's what happens when you shoot stupid, stupid wide. Yeah, that is one of the problems because you've got a super wide lens on that, haven't you? Yeah, for a uh, forty-seven millimeter wow. large format. That is very, very wide. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least there's plenty of room for cropping down whatever you're shooting. Yeah, that's right. You can do that, but I've—I don't know. I've gotten into the habit of sort of showing my whole frame. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I'm trying to be a more honest photographer or something. I might just be an idiot. I, I don't know what well, I'm doing. An, an, on, an honest <laughs> idiot, at least. I mean, that's something. Yeah. Um, yeah. How easy is frame? Because I've only used, so I've used um, a uh, snapshot camera, um, which is yeah. the chroma take on the same idea. And I've used yeah. the Kraken camera from um, Graham, which is a roll film back, yeah. but similar in mm. uh, similar. Otherwise, in, yeah, again, it uses a large format lens. Um, mm. What's the viewfinder like on the OG? Well, it's a. I'm using a Voigtlander viewfinder, so oh, I fancy. use the 12 mil, the 12 mil viewfinder that I've got for my um, Voigtlander. 12 mil lens mm -hmm. and um it's, it's pretty close it's close enough it gives you an idea of what the frame is going to look like mm -hmm. and um but you know i think yeah i think i've i i uh it's more of a more of a level thing yeah uh, more than anything you know i kind of know w how close i need to get to stuff to get it in you know, make it viewable in the frame um it's yeah it, so yeah like i said I was, I was using the force a bit and it it wasn't too bad really i wasn't wasn't displeased with the uh shots and i was taking a bit of a risk because color color neg large format it was about six dollars a frame Ew. so three three pounds a frame <laughs> i know right like ooh. You know, you think I I didn't think about that at the time, and I when I got home, I was like, yeah, that was that could have been an expensive mistake. Yeah, that is, uh, yes, I admire your boldness in that. I suppose at least mm. one advantage with a with a um, forty five mil lens is that as far as focusing goes, mm, mm. you've got a huge depth of field there to work oh, yeah. with, haven't you? 
I haven't focused a lens since I got the camera. I've done it once, mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> so how far out it's, is Infinity Focus on that thing then? Oh, off the top of my head, at f22, which is what I generally always shoot at, I think it's 1.5 meters. Oh, wow. To, infinity. Yeah, to infinity. Okay. Yeah, that gives you quite a lot to play with, because that was the one, the one thing mm. when I tried uh, um, the uh, Kraken, because I was using a 150mm mm. lens on that. So obviously that yeah. does have, you know, a far greater depth of field. And um, yeah. so spending the time calibrating that was definitely a thing that needed to be done. Um, that's mm. cool. That sounds like a fun thing to do. Uh, have you shot all yeah. the film you got? Because you've got 10 sheets? No. Yeah, I bought 10 sheets. I've got four left. I'm saving them for a special occasion. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> in case yeah. there's a second wave yeah. of the pandemic and you need something to wipe your butt with, you know? <laughs> Maybe mm. for that. That would be how valuable they are. Yeah. Yeah. What film and, did you get? Um, uh, Portra 400. This yeah. is very, very little color, large format film. It, it's Portra 400 or Portra 160, basically. Yeah, can't you get Ektar as well? Am I talking about? Oh yeah, I think you can, but it's yeah. not that. Yeah, it's well, not. None know. of it's cheap. No, there is no cheap no. color choice. No, that's certainly true. No, that's certainly of, true. Of new, of new film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've not been doing much. Um, I finally got around to getting my uh, shots from the um, uh, one-hour assignment developed. It only took me a week and a bit, mm-hmm. but I got there. You know. Um, they had a vintage charm to them. I think it's fairly safe to say. Um, yeah, they looked like they looked like um, pencil or graphite sketches. They had that that look to them. Yeah, so that was they were shot on uh, very expired orthochromatic film um, T Triex orthochromatic film from I think it's from the 1980s. That's when it was mm. I last find reference to it being used. So I think it's from around there. Um, so you've got a kind of a combination of one, the fact that it's old expired film, so that's already adding in a bit of funkiness to it. Um, but also because it's orthochromatic, that's giving things a bit of a look. But yeah, it's fun. It, it added to it, I think, in a way um, that yeah. made the pictures a bit more interesting for what are otherwise very, very um, straightforward images. But it's good to yeah. get that done. So, yeah. Well, do you, that's... Do you remember... Do you remember what order the the peppers were that you, the capsicums you took? Like, do you know which ones were which color? No, I, I don't. Be... <laughs> They're okay. all gray. All right. I think the red one has come <laughs> up as the darkest. I think the red one is showing yeah. up as the darker of the three. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I should have probably made a note of that. Uh, <laughs> hindsight's oh. a wonderful thing. Um, but I was quite <laughs> pleased with how they turned out, though. They were quite good fun. The, it's yeah. always amazing the sort of the detail when you look at the negatives, and especially on the. Um, the bottles of beer, it's yeah. the yeah. I love shooting large point. It's great fun. Great what what fun. do you reckon happened? What do you reckon happened to the one of the golden crown? That's all foggy looking. Yeah, that's a really good question. So these are all, these pictures are all on my Instagram feed and my myopic me if anybody wants to go and see them. But there's one the first picture I took actually, which is just a straight on picture of a single bottle of beer, and there's this kind of foxing across the image. Uh, I really. Mm don't know so there's so many places that it could have crept in um for one thing i dropped quite a lot of the film on the floor when i was loading the film sheets up and then also again when i was developing so it might have been that that happened um yeah i tray developed them because it's all the chromatic film i tray developed them so i because i didn't know how long to develop them for so i thought okay i'll do these in a tray and i can just kind of eyeball them a bit um yeah. and that seemed to work okay um uh 
but yeah I don't know I really don't know could just have been fogging on the film but why that particular sheet yeah worse. but it's such yeah. an irregular mottling um, yeah could it be that that was the last picture that I developed maybe by that point the developer was starting uh -huh. to run a little bit thin possibly that yeah um, yeah I yeah, don't know don't know but uh, yeah it's, it's given it an interesting look let's say um, yeah. but yeah I, I don't know why that is the one that is always the problem with using all the expired stuff is that you're just throwing a complete variable in the mix there um, mm. but yeah I like it I definitely think that in the future I'm going to pick up some of the uh, Ilford orthochromatic film in 4x5 because I do like as you said like it gives things an old fashioned look because mm. the old pictures were tend to be orthochromatic so um and yeah. I was reading when I was looking up this uh, Triax um ortho film that certainly in the 80s when this article was being written and I think before that as well um uh, portrait photographers quite liked using it for taking pictures of men because it made them look more rugged because you know it's making oh. darkening their faces and stuff like that, so I thought oh, that's quite a cool thing. So yeah, I might look into that um, yeah. uh, with the Ilford film because I haven't tried that yet. I've got yeah. a roll. I've actually got a roll sat right in front of me of the thirty-five okay, mil, okay. Um, but I haven't got yeah. any sheet film yet. I have to get on that. So yeah. The, now I need to. I need to know the bottle of Pedigree Amber Ale. Did you buy it because there's a looks like Archer on the front? <laughs> It does very much look like on the front. No, I didn't. I don't know why we've got all those bottles of beer in the house because nobody here drinks it. I guess just for guests. Right. Um, there's no cider yeah. in the house because I drank all that, but never mind. If anybody wants a bottle of beer, just come around my house. We've got some archers. No, we've got some amber, well, whatever it is. We've got some beer. <laughs> we've got beer because <laughs> nobody's drinking it. Um, yeah. Should we crack on with the emails, Matt? We've got a great selection of emails for you to butcher this week. Oh, yeah. Ready to butcher people's had and spent time yeah. making emails. I can't even talk. I've already messed up the talking. I'll, I'll apologise in advance for Matt and his inability to read and speak the English language. And I will start off with this first one from Tim, who is Moodog, who you were saying is on our um, on the uh, Discord um, forum that you run, Matt. Yeah, yeah. I think he. I think I recognise his name from Discord. Well, it's quite a recognisable name. Well, Moodog more than Tim. <laughs> Tim is quite uh, it's a great name, but it's quite a wily one. Anyway, he writes in to say, Howdy, Sunny Crew. Howdy. I was in my darkroom yesterday being <laughs> serenaded by the latest podcast as well as backing paper. Both wonderful episodes. Oh, thank you very much. I became particularly excited to hear there is another avid scuba diver in the world that also at least tried using the Nikonos 5. For me, the five is sort of an odd solve, so I agree with Paul that it doesn't exactly fit with modern orbit digital cameras. My GoPro, for instance, takes lovely filters, has a high enough ISO to easily use the red to yellow filters required to color correct without needing strobes. However, I use my Nikonos 5 anyway, and it's sort of in part why I do. I guess I like it when things are complicated. I can understand that. Um, but I like the ritual involved in the whole affair. It's a bit hard to explain, but even if it's mundane, I get enjoyment from prepping the camera for a dive day and likewise cleaning it afterwards. It feels like I'm paying homage to the long history of the Nikonos and celebrating its past and current accomplishments. Plus, oh my goodness, the lenses are so sharp, at least when you nail focus. 
That said, if there were a more modern underwater film camera, I might be more keen to use it. There is the Nikonos RS, but it's quite expensive and has some reliability concerns. So far, I've only used it for black and white without a flash, but with the 28mm lens, which is more like a normal focal length lens when used underwater. This combination can prove quite challenging, so I am working on procuring one strobe for now to help. This way I can use lower speed black and white film as well as trying my hand at colour. I have seen some stunning shots, always shot with Valvia, but I'm actually wanting to try Ektar as it seems that that would be really nice pairing. And I haven't actually seen any examples yet, which sort of makes it even more exciting. Anyways, it's certainly challenging, but when you do nail a shot, it makes it all the more rewarding. Granted, I don't take my five on every dive, oh that's good to like that, it rhymes, and still use my GoPro. However, the five will remain part of my underwater photographic arsenal. This is for me though. I know where Paul is coming from and recognise that the five isn't for everyone, and there are definitely times I don't take it with me. Scuba, in particular, is a comfort sport, so using a camera that works for you is even more important than on the surface. Anyways, I am rambling. The short of it is to say, I was just excited to hear there's another scuba diver slash film photographer slash Nikonos user, or at least was, in the wild. Uh, that's, that's from Tim. Thank you very much, Tim. Um, that's great to get an insight into something, again, following up from Paul's email. Um, I know nothing at all about. Are you done any scuba diving, Matt? No, no. I've done some snorkeling, but no, I've never never gone any, you know, never gone deep no, that, in the ocean. <laughs> or indeed anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've done a couple. I had a couple of goes at scuba diving, unsurprisingly, when I was visiting Australia many years ago. But um, I didn't didn't know any about taking cameras there, and I don't think my underwater cameras would cope with it. But it's interesting. I just find the fact that all of the things that you think you know and you have to think about, you just have to kind of throw out the window a bit with scuba diving because the accessibility and the ease of use of the button suddenly becomes very important. Uh, the fact that he was saying in there that the focus, that the focal length is changed because of the water, um, all of these yeah. things, it's it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. I, I completely understand why anybody there. would go with um, digital. <laughs> it seems easier. Yeah, But it's so easy to get distracted when taking photos and you've got this limited amount of oxygen to yeah. deal with as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a challenge. Do, no one does large format underwater photography, obviously, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, well, not yet. Anyway, I bet oh, you know what. I bet somebody has done it. You know, anytime you say no one does this, I bet somebody has well, done it. Found some yeah. way of doing it. Um, yeah. And and Ethan just started working on an underwater housing <laughs> for the OG because he's listening to this. Yeah, that's almost it. certainly what's happened. Definitely. <laughs> Do you want to take this next quickie um, from Anthony Pearson? How could I mess this email up? <laughs> well, let's find out, <laughs> shall we? Okay. Uh, dear Sunny16, you mentioned Elsa Dorfman. There's an excellent film about her on Netflix, The B-Side. Uh, and, and there's a, a URL that I won't read out unless you want me to. No, um, no she good. is lovely. Her work is lovely, and much less importantly, the cameras lovely. I mean, amazing. You know, <laughs> hearts A. Well done. That's nearly, <laughs> nearly didn't mess it up. 
Um, yeah, I have to check that. Have you seen that film? No, I don't know. No, I haven't seen it. They'd... Netflix likes to um, show you the stuff that it thinks it wants you to watch or the trending things, I find. It's, yeah. Did you, I know you're, you're like many people, you're not up with a podcast at the moment um, because you're not traveling to and from work. Um, mm. We talked about Alistair Dorfman last week, um, who shot with this incredible mass. I can't remember how big it is, but it's huge um, Polaroid camera. Um, she died last okay. week. Uh, um, right. And um, yeah, just super cool. Well worth looking up her, her work. And it sounds like her is pretty incredible. The camera is amazing it's just this yeah this huge thing um yeah really is it cool. a 20 by 24 polaroid i think it was something like that certainly yeah it was ginormous oh it was... i think um i think the guy who used to own the photo net forum back in the day did something with her because he was into that sort of thing as mm-hmm. well i'm pretty sure um philip uh phil greenspun he I'll was, take uh, your word for it. Yeah, he was uh, he was into uh, ultra large format Polaroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a it's one of those things that um, I think is I, I, I love them and they're beautiful. But I mean, you talk about three pounds a shot for your going out taking color pictures on large format crumbs. Yeah, the importance of getting things right, shooting ultra large format Polaroid. Those things are yeah. wow. I mean, yeah. you're creating a piece of art with every shot, or else. Yeah. I'll put the um, link to the uh, Netflix, the show on Netflix, in the show notes. Um, so anyone who wants yeah. to go and watch it, and I will check that out. I'll add it to my watch list. I've, um, I've got some large format Polaroid photos of myself that a friend of mine, James, took some years ago. Um, How'd they come out? Are they good? Yeah, yeah. Well, he yeah he was testing. Um, he had some old film. Uh, that he was wanting to use up because he wanted to try the new the Lomography had just started making it and um, yeah they got a sepia kind of look to them they're black and white but they mm-hmm. look kind of sepia now yeah and, that um, cool yeah yeah should we move on to the next email alright Okay, this one is from Ian Rosie, who uh, is also known as the Sialist. Never sure whether I'm saying that the right way. Um, Hello, folks. I hope you are all well. I had to comment on the episode Inspirations and Revelations. It was superb. Thank you very much. So thanks to all involved. I became so engrossed in the podcast, I found myself joining in the conversation at times and then realising I wasn't there. You were there, Ian. Well, wherever there was. Um... Don't worry, I'm putting that down as one of the effects of the lockdown. So, to get to the point of this email, I need to... Uh, so to sorry, I've, uh, when the conversation in the podcast drifted on to the inspiration Claire gained from cinematography, stage setting and such, I kept mentioning Jack Cardiff, uh, but for the obvious reasons stated above, she couldn't hear me. <laughs> She just wasn't paying attention. We have that problem too, and we try to talk, and she just keeps on talking, mostly about Columbo, it seems. Um, uh, she is likely familiar with him anyway, um, but just in case, I thought I'd mention him. Particularly, look at the Black Narcissus and what he did with Vermeer's colour palette and the stage setting where Michael Powell of Powell and Pressburger had decided he wanted to recreate the vertiginous Nepal on the backs of lots on, on the back lots of Pinewood. 
That's a boy. There's some words in oh. there. <laughs> yeah. There's an obvious. You're, create- doing, you're doing good. Thank you very much. There's an obvious created over creative overdrive in trying to make that happen. For Powell, I think it was about control. Something mentioned by John when talking about lighting. Thanks for letting me get that out of my system. It was a great episode and has in fact inspired my inspired me to drag myself off the couch and go and do something much more useful instead. Uh, lovely, why don't you throw back there? Kind regards from Ian. Um, great shout. I'm really. It's great to get another movie shout out. I'm thinking we might at some point in the perhaps not too distant future start doing a movie club. I think. I think because I, I know John's watched Night of the Hunter, and I need to get on that. Yeah. I'm thinking this, this. We might do more with this in the future. Um, get recommendations yeah. and look at movies, particularly with regards to creative inspiration from them. So you know, watch this based on that. Yeah. Uh, let's see how much I can bully yeah. Claire into doing it. <laughs> this will be you know, news you to Claire. We, you know what we could do? We could do live screenings on Discord. Is that a thing one can do? Oh my goodness, all these things can Well, happen. yeah, you can just, well, everyone can watch the film at the same time. Like, everyone can hit go. And um, I, because I'm actually part of a little group that does that using Discord. We watch a, we watch a, a, a bad movie and um, we all comment on it and make jokes as we're watching it. That sounds uh, perhaps not entirely suitable for the purposes of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's definitely a thought. It's definitely a thought. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, do you want to take this next one, uh, titled Cheap Shot Whatnot, from Henry, from the um, Tales from the Magic Box podcast. Tales from the Magic Box. Uh, Dear Sunbeams, I have been meaning to write in for a while, but never really found the right topic that I felt I could contribute to. But today, I can. I was very sad to hear that John can't enjoy black and white films, but when I thought about it, I remembered that for a long time, neither could I. When I mentioned this to my university tutor, he gave me a task which changed the way I see movies now. He told me to watch Star Wars in black and white with the volume turned off and the subtitles on, effectively making it a silent movie. At first it was difficult, but I soon started to notice the way the scenes were composed and lit. I quickly forgot about the fact it wasn't in colour. I have since tried with other movies and it tends to look better on those made before 1985. Another way John might be able to get into black and white is to watch something like Laurel and Hardy where the comedy distracts you from the colour. Anyway, that might be a good place to start if he wants to give it a go. I'm excited to enter the Cheap Shots Challenge and will be recording my episode in the morning. I hope I am allowed to use the camera that I built. Keep up the excellent work and thanks for all the lockdown entertainment. All the best, Henry. Tales from the Magic Box. That's some pretty good tips there. How do you feel yeah. about black and white films? I yeah, I like them. I'm a big fan of the uh, Hitchcock, you know, Hitchcock's films. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, you know, I I'm old enough to remember watching TV in black and white because. <laughs> My grandparents had a black and white TV in, mm-hmm. in the spare room, and that's where I got to watch um, my shows like uh, Bewitched and, and Lost in Space and uh, I Dream of Jeannie in black and white. Some of those shows 
were in black and white to begin with, oh, and uh, like Adam's family. Um, and then later on, uh, we had a little travel TV, which seems excessive, but that's what we had. And <laughs> I used to put the travel TV on top of the big black and white TV so I could see the picture in black and white, the big picture in black and white, and then see the colors above it. <laughs> uh... Hey, look. Eight-year-old eight Matthew had some weird ideas. <laughs> it certainly sounds like it. I do like the idea yeah. of um, of watching color films in black and white with the sound turned off to mm. to look at them in a different way. That makes that makes sense. If, if you're trying to, I mean, if you're trying to appreciate a particular aspect of it, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Also, I I just love the idea of Laurel and Hardy as a gateway drug into anything because Laurel and Hardy are pretty great, right? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Um, even um, uh, check out Charlie Chaplin. That's probably uh, uh, another good one to look out for. Um, yeah, you know, I for me, especially the dictator. At, yeah. the, at the moment, the dictator would be one to watch. <laughs> Maybe, I don't think I've ever watched much Charlie Chaplin. Growing up, it was Harold Lloyd for me. We used to Harold Lloyd was on a lot. I used to love Harold Lloyd. Um, yeah. So, yeah. John is no younger than us. I don't know why this is an issue. <laughs> Weird, John. Yeah. Okay, uh, this next email... Sorry, I got the name of the film wrong. I think it's called The Great Dictator. What did you say before? Not. I said The Dictator. That's the um, uh, English guy. Oh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, yeah, not that one. Yeah. yeah. Check out that one, but check out The Great Dictator. The Great Dictator, yeah. The first, the OG... Okay, yeah. this next email is from Stuart Gwilliam, who writes in to say, Hi, Sunny16. Just a quick update on my previous email from a couple of weeks ago. I contacted you regarding some expired chemicals I had and asked your advice on them. Thanks for your reply on giving me your opinion on what you thought it was, uh, on what you thought it was very welcomed. Anyway, you were right about the developer. It was no good at all, but the stop and fix seemed to be okay. That's great news. I ordered some new Ilford developer and successfully printed off my first print in my new darkroom. Woo! Yay! Congratulations, that's awesome. Thanks again for your advice. It was much appreciated. One more thing. Could you or Rachel or Matthew, it says that in there, definitely, give me some advice on a very low speed black and white film for my new pinhole camera. Thanks again from Stuart. Okay, that's a, an interesting question. A very low speed black and white film. Mm. Um, you any thoughts, Matthew? Uh, I'm trying to think of the oh, low speed black and white. Like, uh, no. <laughs> Short answer. No. <laughs> and it depends. We don't have any information, so we don't know what format this is, um, mm. because it does make a difference whether it's. Uh, 35 mil or medium format because yeah. there are quite a lot of choices in 35 mil of mm. super low ISO film because people yeah. like the FPP um, have been sourcing old, uh, I think they're like copy films and stuff like that, uh, all yeah. sorts of different yeah. that can be down to sort of 12 ISO, 6 ISO, 3 ISO. Um, yeah. So. Eric. Eric and Vanya have got one for sale as well. Oh yeah, they're Tasma Mikrat. Yeah, the um, was yeah, it Slow Meow? Cats, 
Cat's Meow, Slow so, Meow. Yeah, although I think so, they sold out of that super cat, quick. Yeah, cat reference in the title somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you, so yes, there are quite a lot of um, sort of short run stuff. If you want super super low, uh, looking to people who are doing s- smaller runs like that um, in the UK. I don't know where you asked you, but if you're in the UK, Analog Wonderland does sell a lot of the FPP stuff. But yeah, that would be a good place to look if you're doing 35 mil. If you're just uh, if you're on medium format, um, then I think 50 is. Mm, I'm trying to. I cannot think of anything lower that's readily uh, available. Twenty. Oh, twenty-five used to be a thing once. Is that Trix? I don't think there's any. Uh, no, I don't think you can get um, twenty-five ISO Trix anymore. I could be wrong. Oh. Please write in if I am talking uh, incorrectly here. But I oh, think. Rolly. Oh, maybe you'll do something. Well, Google it quickly, mm. Matt. You Google it. You're fast with these things. I me? have. I have. And Rolly RPX. And it's available at Analog Wonderland, there everyone's favourite online film supplier. We really ought to charge him for this. Um, there you go. So we should do like a we should have like a commercial, you know, like they used to do on old TV. Like you say something about Analog Wonderland, and I say, "Well, Graham, have I got a story about Analog Wonderland?" Yeah, when he starts giving us money, maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so there you go. I mean, obviously, the thing is with pinhole. Uh, with any film, um, is that the shutter speeds are already going to be getting long and you need to factor in reciprocity um, factor. That's really important. So I don't know why you're particularly looking for a low-speed film, but let's assume that it's for something like wanting to really blur out water or something like that. It's worth bearing in mind that... uh, you, the reciprocity factor on any film can really amp up the amount of time <laughs> and exposure it's taking. So if you go for something that's very low ISO film and then has quite long reciprocity... Uh, reci- oh my goodness, that was hard to keep going back to. I can't say it, but don't worry. I won't um, correct you. Yeah, quite a big reciprocity factor. You could be sitting there for a really, really long time. So um, let us know what it is you're particularly wanting to use it for. But yeah, I mean, generally speaking, even just using a 50 ISO film uh, or certainly a 25 ISO film is going to give you a shutter speed which is going to be seconds long, even on a sunny day. Um, And the moment that light starts dropping off, you could very quickly be heading towards minutes slash hours. That can go that way pretty quickly. Um, I've I've got a fun fact about reciprocity. Mm Mm-hmm. In Germany, they call it the Schwarzschild effect. That is a fun effect. Why do they call it that? Because of the guy who discovered it or invented it or something. <laughs> invented it. Invented it. I was reading up um, recently on... Uh, a, a, this is an expression I first heard on the large format photography podcast, the Scheimpflug principle. Um, oh, what's that? So this is uh, uh, very broadly in relation to... Um, on large format or tilt shift lenses adjusting the angle of the um lens in relation to the film plane at the back so that you're Oof. so you're getting a diff the focal plane is shifting so instead of being sort of straight yeah. in front of you in the line it might be at an angle so you know if you've got like a row of houses going away from you at an angle you could get get 
that all in focus as opposed to having it, you know. So ah. um, it's one of those things that is relatively easy to understand, but the moment you start reading about it, you go, oh, I don't understand anything. <laughs> this is all complicated and has maths in it and diagrams. It's, and a rab- it's a rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, do you want to take this next one then from Damien DeMeo, the fabulous Damien DeMeo? All right. Uh, where are we? Uh, oh, it, oh, that's a big one. Okay. <laughs> Brace Excuse yourselves, everyone. Go. Brace. Hold on to your pants. Uh, hello, my sunshines. I thought I'd write to you this time around to talk about one of the possibly unforeseen issues in the home in home darkroom builds. I wanted to install a ventilation fan to remove the fumes from my chemical tray area. But thankfully, before I did, I realized that my darkroom space is shared with the gas water heater and furnace. Uh Uh-oh. Just a warning to anyone installing a vent fan in a room like this. If there is a negative pressure situation in the room caused by a vent fan, the exhaust from the chimneys could be drawn back (laughs) into the room and possibly flood it with carbon monoxide. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, My solution to this... Uh, My solution to this, after talking with a couple of friends who are plumbers and engineers, was to install a balanced air exchange setup with one fan drawing fresh air in from a blocked window with vent outside through a flexible duct hose and one over my developing tray area, which draws the air out through a second hose exiting out the clothes dryer vent. I will include some pictures. But the end result works brilliant, brilliantly. Keeps the sunlight through it. Keeps out the sunlight. Keeps out the sunlight. Keeps out the sunlight because it's a dark room. Uh, through a few bends in the hose, and I've tested the barometric pressure in the room, and it seems to remain the same with fans running as it does without any fans. I also recommend for anyone with a setup in a room like this with or without fans to keep a carbon monoxide detector plugged in. Mine came with a conveniently red screen that reads out C-O-P-P-M, so I know know I'm safe at all times. Oh, there's more. Uh, The entire setup from both fans to the hoses and clamps cost only about 100 bucks in parts on eBay, and I can now comfortably make prints for many hours at a time. I will also include a bunch of two and a half by three and a half pictures from almost an entire roll I took while on a Route 66 road trip we took out here before all hell broke loose. Uh, The place is Oatman, Arizona, and there are more donkeys than people and and pretty much run the town after being abandoned there from old mining settlements that used used them for work back in the 1800s. They have since found still run wild and well loved and cared for especially by the tourists passing through who buy them lots of treats at the local souvenir shop shoppy um (laughs) here here's to happier and healthier times love and gratitude for you and your wonderful show which entertains comforts and distracts me during some trying times damien (laughs) thank you very much damien and well done matt well done you got through it. I I love listening to you read those long emails because you I can feel the stress pouring off you. 
I can feel the tension, <laughs> the fear in your voice. It's great. Um, that situation that Dame described, because it's, I don't worry about ventilation because I'm using a shed and in between I can just open the door because it's just there. But if you're down, it's like in the, down in the basement area, um, that's mm. quite a different situation. I would never have thought about that risk of drawing in carbon monoxide. Um, that could yeah. have gone quite bad quite quick. Yeah. Well, in your dark room, you are the guest problem. I am the guest problem, yeah, that's true. You definitely don't want to be doing dark room work when you've in a, in a confined space when you've been eating... With a vegetarian. Yeah, exactly, with a vegetarian. Um, but no, I'm, I, I haven't... Um, I was planning on putting in ventilation and then I just decided that actually what I'll do is I'll just make sure I open the door up regularly, get fresh air in, because it is just one small shed space, so I can do a couple of yeah. prints, open it up let some air and what have you and it's not too bad um but yeah, yeah. it's important get these things right uh, i love these uh, i know you can't see them max i haven't shared them with you but um these pictures that he's talking about um just these donkeys roaming the streets it's great it's just lovely uh, really really quite a magical place i can see why it's so popular with tourists it just it just looks like an old west town a slightly now clearly touristified old west town because there's a shop called uh, outlaw willies <laughs> and there's just donkeys everywhere just ambling around the streets um it's pretty brilliant i would like to visit that place uh, i'm gonna put it on the list it's also in a beautiful spot as well um so yeah very cool very cool um yeah and that does it for emails this week as well isn't it matt it does look like that is the last email. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody, yeah. for writing. And please do keep them coming in. Without your emails, uh, this show would be very short slash non-existent. Um, <laughs> so please do keep them coming in. Uh, before we move on to talking about our coffee stuff, Matt, um, do you want to, cause I know Rachel and I have mentioned about the Discord channel on here a few times, mm. but um, you're the one that actually organized it and is um, active on there. What is mm -hmm. it? What's going on there? Why should people go and check um, it out? It's just uh, it, it. Discord is a way, of, uh, an alternative way of communicating. It's like a forum. So the only inf the only stuff that is on there is what people put up there. So you don't have to worry about seeing, unless people put in put it in there. You don't have to worry about seeing anything virus related or. Um, anything like that it's just going to be content whatever content people decide to post um it's i've created lots of different uh channels in there for different topics um which i wish people would use <laughs> uh but that's okay um uh, there's voice channels in there for you know, people have gone on virtual photo walks together no one's been on one with me yet because of the time zone that's okay um <laughs> You can share photos um, on there. There's different categories. Uh, the um, show us your pets uh, category is very popular. You know, it's just just for photos of your pets. They don't have to be film photos. Just you know, mm -hmm. people want to see cats and dogs and other pets. And um, yeah, there's you know there are some general topics up there like people with suggestions for TVs and movies, TV shows and movies to watch and gaming, which has been mostly me posting photos from animal crossing <laughs> and, and there's a biscuit and cake uh, discussion 
channel as well. Uh, of course. I mean, <laughs> what would be the point of Discord if it didn't have a biscuit and cake discussion? Um, yeah. What do people need to do? Where do they need to go if they want to get involved with all of this? Uh, well, the, well, the best way... Uh, look, Discord have got a weird way of doing invites. Uh, when, just when I think I've got a permanent invite locked down, it stops working. So they can message the Sunny 16. Um, if they can't get in, there's a link on the bio for Sunny 16 on Instagram. Mm-hmm. If they can't get in, just send me a message on Instagram and I'll send them an invite. It's just as easy as that. Yeah, because you, of course, look after our Instagram feed, for which we are very grateful. Mm. Um, and you you regularly feature other people's photography on there, don't you? Yeah, I, yeah occasionally I'll you know have a look through the shoot film be nice or sunny 16 hashtags and mm-hmm. put up a few uh, photos that catch my eye on there i haven't done that for a couple of weeks but um yeah it's about time i i did that again yeah yeah probably is get your finger out your lazy lump um right. no that sounds cool that sounds cool i said this too busy of... playing tanks graham yeah i know it's a quite time sink that turns out um no, having somewhere to go to talk about things like you know your hobby and just general stuff that isn't Twitter or Facebook um, yeah. is really good at the moment because not that the things that are being talked about are not important, but yeah. it's a lot. And sometimes you just want to yeah. be able to go somewhere and mm-hmm. just step away from it for a bit of time for your own peace and sanity. I think it's important for all of us. Yeah. Um, it's good yeah. to um, it's good to uh, disconnect. Yeah, yeah. You, I think you need to every now and again because if you're constantly in it, then it's it's it can be too much for anyone. Well, that's awesome. Thank you very much for organising and running that, Matt. It's much appreciated. All right. uh, shall we move on to coffee? All right. Coffee, coffee and buns. Um, thank you so much, as always, to all of our fabulous coffee donors. You are amazing um, and wonderful people, and we are incredibly grateful. And the way we like to show you our gratitude is with uh, a barrage of nonsense. Um, this is a special barrage of nonsense. Um, obviously, we've got Matt here this week. And the reason Matt's here this week is because it's a special day in Australia, isn't it? Yes, it's the Queen's birthday. The Queen's birthday. Happy birthday. You weren't sure which Queen, were you? You're, I think it's the current one, no, but it might be Queen Victoria. I, I still don't know. <laughs> Queen and Elizabeth it's the, the only the, It's only the Queen's birth. It's the Queen's birthday in every state and territory except for Western Australia and Queensland. Ironic that it's not in Queensland. You'd think if anywhere we're going to have the Queen's birthday and celebrate it, it would be the Queen's land. I know. Yeah, they Obviously. they celebrate it later in the year after um, Echo. After what now? Oh, <laughs> Echo. It's the Brisbane Royal Exhibition, or as it's locally known, Echo. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Short for Echo Echo Exhibition. Well, I mean, I don't know many Brisbaneians. Only one, in fact. <laughs> But that fits. Only one. <laughs> it's only one worth knowing. Oh, uh, ouch. <laughs> um, well, in honour of this, uh, we have actually found out that, um, that the coffee donors we're going to be reading out tonight, that uh, they've all been mentioned in, in the Queen's birthday honours list, which is amazing. Yeah. So we, we know what I know. So um, uh, who, who has been honoured in the Queen's birthday honours list? 
uh, all of the people who donated. Is Barry the first one on yeah, the list? Yeah, 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 for you to off. Okay, all right. So Barry Carr is a member of the Order of Cars, uh, where he feels safest of all. He can lock all his doors, and it's the only way to live in cars. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. Uh, Joe Baker, Joe Baker uh, has been um, awarded the Order of the Felix uh, <laughs> for his um, services to buying cat food. Is that a cat? Is it? Is that a cat food yeah. company in the UK? Is it? Yeah. Felix. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is advertising. Right. They've now got the order of Felix. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Dun- Dunstan, uh, member of the uh, Dunstan is now a member of the Order of Australia, uh, which means he's got to put tomato sauce on everything, call everyone mate, and he's got to chuck shrimps or prawns, as we actually like to call them, on Barbies. Uh, Barbara Woodhouse was not impressed. <laughs> you asked me for a favourite Barbara. <laughs> I said Barbara Woodhouse. I'm pretty sure she's dead. <laughs> well, she's not going to be. She's not going to be too bothered, then, is she? <laughs> no, no. Um, uh, 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 um, Jonathan. Jonathan has been made a knight in uh, a knight in white satin for his contribution to the bedsheet industry. So, congratulations to Jonathan. Uh, Duncan, uh, Duncan is now a member of the Order of Woodchucks. He knows exactly how much wood a woodchuck can chuck, uh, but they're still working on whether they can actually chuck wood. Uh, Juliet Schwab has been made a Lady of the Lake thanks to her slightly excessive approach to um, film washing. Mm. Uh, Sam Cornwell, he's a member of the Order of Jaffa Cakes, uh, not Cakes, Oh, sorry, I, I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> Sam Cornwell is a member of the Order of Jaffa Cakes are cakes and not biscuits. I love the fact that you even struggle to read the things that you've written down in front of your face. Um, wah, wah. Hillary has been made a member of the Disorder of the Cross following her failure to make quality level uh, hot cross buns. Sorry, Hillary. Delicious. Mm. And Martin Smith is the member of member of the order of putting the jam and cream on the scone in the wrong order. I love again. I also love the fact that you said to me, "I'm going to put some controversial things in this week," <laughs> and you go with Jaffa cakes, yeah. our cakes, and jam Intra- and cream. Controversial, <laughs> controversial on Instagram. Um, so, what is the correct order for putting jam and cream on a scone? Well, I'm the two. <laughs> I mean, you can. I mean, for me, it, it's jam first and then the cream. Any other way just seems weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you. I just like, to, I just like to throw it all at a wall and see what sticks. Um, finally, Jayabat <laughs> uh, has been made a knight of the museum thanks to his tireless efforts in saving old crap. So, um, congratulations to everybody. Just in general, one. But congratulations on your um, various honorifics that you've achieved uh, from the Queen. <laughs> what a lucky, lucky bunch you are. And as I said, thank yeah. you so much for your continued support. Um, I don't know why you do it, given, given all of the uh, above. But, you know, we really, really appreciate it nonetheless. Yeah. And we promise we'll try and do better in the future. Um, yes. That wraps it up for this week. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome, sir. Um, you, uh, I think the website's pretty much all up to date at the moment, I think. 
mostly. It's up to up to date until last week. <laughs> uh, you keep making see. episodes. I've got to keep. I've got to keep uh, updating them now. Yeah. I guess. Oh well, well, Matthew does keep us on top of things, not just Instagram, but he does keep the website up to date. Um, I don't know whether you're having much time to do your fabulous artworks these days. I haven't seen any of those for a while. We miss those, Matthew. No, we miss your I Photoshop know. wonders. Um, now you've got Amber a new computer. I think no excuses. You can uh, yes. get, get back on. Yeah, that. I know that was that was an excuse for a couple of months, wasn't it? It was, and it's not anymore. Mm. Um, no. We will get out of here now, listeners. Uh, we will be back with you later in the week with something uh, surprise for everyone, as always. <laughs> the organisation <laughs> at the moment is so far out the window, I can't even see it receding in the distance. Um, but there'll be something, so that'll be exciting. Um, until then, we will play you out, as always, with remortgaging the nest of hairs from the wonderful band Schnauzer. Uh, until we see you later in the week, have a lovely week. Have a lovely week. Dun, 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 dun.